Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We signed Kawhi, right? Or did I miss something? Or? Yeah, we did. Oh, thank That's God. That's why we're excited. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you? Oh. Should we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, I guess. Um, All right. That's what abs. <laughs> so I'm going to try and get us out. Because I need to be out before 2-2. Two, two, I know. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where what it doesn't, what it didn't do, little babe. (laughs) (laughs) So the Lakers do not have Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers do. Plus, they also have Paul George. So those early shakes you felt on Wednesday and Thursday, if you were living in California, those were merely the foreshocks for the true earthquake that came and rattled the NBA world last night or early this morning as Kawhi Leonard has spurned the Lakers and somehow teamed up with the guy the Lakers were trying to get last year in Paul George on the Clippers. Meanwhile, KCP is still somehow a Los Angeles Laker. So hide under a desk and pray that that metaphorical roof doesn't collapse on all of our off-season plans because what a Kawhi job. But guess what, everybody? We got DeMarcus Cousins. Rajon Rondo's back. We got Quinn Cook. Uh, did I miss anybody? Danny Green. Danny Green. That's right. We got Danny Green. Uh, yeah, so this is how we're going to start the show. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander. Whew, what a whirlwind last 12 hours. Uh, let's... Who indeed. I got the vapors. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that says a lot. Um, Alan, let's start with you. Um, just give me your like two to three sentence description of how you're feeling the last 12 hours up until this point, because it's been a frenzy and we can hardly keep up. I was honestly pretty shook by the earthquake, <laughs> like a lot longer than I thought I would be like, not scared, but I could feel my adrenaline, you know, rushing and my heart rate was pretty high for a while after it ended. And then when the Kawhi thing dropped like two and a half hours after the earthquake, I completely stopped thinking about the fact that we had that huge earthquake. So, uh, I don't know. It was, it just goes to show you how much we care about the Lakers, I guess. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, Tommy, what about you? How are you processing? If you're processing anything at all at this point? I still can't really believe that he chose the Clippers over us. Um, I also can't believe that... He was so set on the Clippers that he was willing to give them time to put together a, a team that was like we already eff- effectively had built for him. 
Um, so it just shows you like how much he wanted the Clippers over us. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It seems so far subject to, it sounds like we're going to have a couple, maybe one or two moves left here. Um, it seems so far like we're putting together a decent team, so I can't complain really. Yeah, I think for me, I'm 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 with you, Alan. I don't know if I was more shook by the actual literal feeling of. I was at a restaurant when the 7.1 magnitude earthquake happened, and uh, you know the light bulbs above us were shaking, and it lasted for about a minute. Yeah, I counted. I was like one Mississippi, <laughs> two Mississippi. Honestly, dude, I thought after like 30, I was like, okay, it's gonna end now, and then it just kept going i hit like 58 and i was like what the hell is going on this is insane anyway go right ahead. but i don't think we've come off the reverberations from the Kauai thing yet obviously so not even thinking about it at all <laughs> i know uh, so it's crazy uh first first and foremost we hope everybody's doing okay everybody's safe uh i think where the earthquake hit i saw several videos of people's pools they like they videotaped their pools and how immense the shaking was so it's, it's pretty crazy and hopefully nothing big happens after that um with that said i think for me i'm just glad we finally reached a resolution it sucks i mean let's not sugarcoat this it was a gut punch to the lakers especially knowing that he chose the clippers and uh in a vacuum the if, if we're comparing big markets to one another and we, we go over to new york it's kind of ironic and and a little bit sad that the Brooklyn Nets and the Clippers, the quote-unquote little brothers to the Knicks and the Lakers, kind of, at least when it comes to getting a superstar uh, in free agency, kind of one-upped their older brothers. So obviously the Brooklyn Nets got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and the Clippers just today got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I think that's the biggest shocker. Not just that it was Kawhi Leonard, but it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and they facilitated this thing together. Um... But we'll get into that. For me, I, I'm glad it's just resolved and the dust has kind of settled um, because it was a long last five days. And, and for me, it's a little bit of a sigh of relief that we didn't have to keep banging our heads on all these different theoreticals and that we at least have a clearer picture moving forward. It's a wacky team that we've assembled again, but not as wacky as the one we assembled last year at the very least. And we can at least contextualize the situation and... Also understanding that we had to take this Kawhi risk on, I think I like the direction that we're headed in, and at the very least, it's going to be interesting. And the NBA at large, people have been calling for parity, and we're hoping that the Lakers didn't get Kawhi Leonard. It would be too much of a cheat code. Well, they got their wish, and uh, it's going to be one hell of a ride this upcoming NBA season. And the crosstown rivalry between the Lakers and Clippers... I don't think both teams have ever been as dominant as they are right now at the same time. And we're for the first time going to see that happen health provided. Um, okay. So why don't we just jump into more, go more in depth into the roller coaster of emotions and feelings um, from this deal. And the fact that it's with the Clippers, the fact that we, it's Paul George again, the guy who spurned us last year, Alan, how are you feeling about all of that? I'm sure there's a lot of tension involved there. For Kawhi Leonard, it's like, okay, he just wanted to be home. We always knew the Clippers were an option, I guess. But this Paul George thing just came out of left field, and I really hate I already hated that guy a lot, but the fact that we see him in Vegas already yipping it up with his new teammates, Pat Beverly and Lou Will, oh, it's it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. What about you? Oh, for sure. Um you know it's funny, if I saw like Kawhi Leonard at a Dodger game or something and they put him on the Jumbotron I would feel zero desire to boo him actually uh even if I'm at a Laker Clipper game and I and Kawhi is on the court like I don't know I feel like I wouldn't be as enraged but just something about Paul George dude after last summer too like I would and I'm not even one to boo at sporting events typically I'm like kind of quieter I'm just positive but I would want to boo the hell out of Paul George similarly to the way I would want to boo Dwight Howard um yeah so yeah I I don't know like how I can tap into the depths of those emotions as to why I wouldn't feel the same way towards Kawhi um I guess I haven't processed it that far but those are just the raw feels uh, Tommy, what about you? Are you is this a gut punch to you, or are you were you prepared for the contingency plans and moves that you probably surmise that the Lakers have in place? And thank God we got Danny Green. But uh, just your thoughts overall. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a gut punch. However, I will say, and and look, before this happened, I was probably one of the people who was the most like, but if we don't get them, what's going to happen? You know, I was like the most, uh, one of the most alarmist in, in that camp. Um, not in Twitter generally, but in among our group. Um, now that we haven't gotten him, though, I feel like the overreaction, like, look, it's a big time bummer, but we were literally <laughs> talking about we are going to form a super team and now we're just not going to have a super team. We're just going to have a really good team, but people are acting like we're completely trash now. <laughs> and that I don't really, yeah, we did get. not strike out. We still hit like a couple home runs. Actually, Yeah. But well, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like that. I don't really get, like I saw some takes on Twitter and, and elsewhere online that were like, Oh, three through 12, the Lakers now are worse than both the Pelicans and the Lakers were last year. <laughs> And I'm like, how is that possible, dude? Like, Isaac Bongo was like our 12th man last year. You know, so it's like, we're adding like a ton of veteran depth. Um, I personally really didn't want Rondo back, but we got him for two years at the minimum. You could do a lot worse than that. I'm not the biggest Boogie fan, but we got him for three and a half million for one year. You could do a lot, a lot worse than that. We got Danny Green, we got Quinn Cook, we got Jared Dudley, we got Troy Daniels. We got, like, we addressed several of our biggest needs, which were shooting and free, like, uh, shooting from the outside and free throw shooting. Um, the one area we're a little weak at, obviously, is point guard, um, point, point guard play and maybe perimeter defense generally. But, you know, you look at our roster as it's starting to come together here and we still have a little bit more money. Um, what like what teams are clearly better than us? The Warriors are going to be hurt. The Clippers, yeah, they have Paul George and Kawhi, but we know Kawhi because we were going to get him here. He's going to want to load manage, so he's not going to play more than seventy games. Last year, I think he played sixty. This year, I could see him playing like you know sixty to sixty-five, pending his health. Um, outside of those two, the rest of our rosters, I think we're pretty good. You know what I mean? Like. Who who do the Clippers have if they're like our primary competition to stand up against Anthony Davis and and uh, Demarcus Cousins? It doesn't really seem like a whole lot. <laughs> it's like, like undersized Montrez Harrell. Yeah, exactly. On the wing, okay, they have Kawhi and Paul George, but we have LeBron. Like Danny Green is not a star, but he's a solid player. Kyle Ku- and he's a solid defender. Kyle Kuzma is not a star, but he's a solid young player who can score. Like we have a lot of pieces that are starting to come together here, but um. Yeah, I mean, so look, it, it it's obviously a big-time letdown to not get Kawhi, but it's also not the end of the world. Um, this was always an outcome. And look, we we still have Anthony Davis after all this. It's another very common yeah. take I, I kept seeing was that, oh, we shouldn't have gotten Anthony Davis then, or we ended up overpaying for him because we didn't even get a third star. What do you mean we didn't even get a third star? Like, now that Kawhi went to the Clippers, we have nobody. For all we know, I mean, at this point, like... When when we traded for AD, the rumors after were the Clippers were one of the teams that were interested. Nobody knows what their offer was. I don't, I'm not saying it was it was probably was not anything approaching what they ended up give, uh, giving up to get Paul George. But they clearly thought that if they got a second star, also they would have a good chance of getting Kawhi. If they got Anthony Davis, is there any doubt that Kawhi would have signed there like immediately? You know, like he he was just looking for that second star. It's clear that he wanted the Clippers the whole time. Oh shit! So, um, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. So, uh, <laughs> whoa! So, uh, so we got Anthony Davis, and we prevented the Clippers from having freaking Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis. So that would have been like the worst case scenario. And then we roll into next season with like you know Denver kept all their guys. Uh, you know, a lot of the top other top teams kept their guys, or you know Portland maybe you could argue got better. Um, Utah got better. Utah got much better. So we you, we could easily be in a situation, and like in this scenario. That I'm, I'm positing right now, Oklahoma City would still have Paul George. So, you know, Houston is still Houston. So you start looking around, and it's like if we didn't get AD, it would have been another year of rolling it back with Lonzo, BI, like all of our young guys, plus LeBron, plus like these same role players. You know, it, 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 I'm not saying that that is horrible by any means. I love those young guys and kind of wish we still had them, but. If we're trying to compete to make the playoffs, I don't even know that we could have made the playoffs rolling back the same roster plus like some upgraded 
ancillary pieces. Like we have Anthony right. Davis now. We replaced a lot of guards who can't shoot with guards who can shoot. Um, we've gotten better in some areas uh, defensively. Uh, we've gotten much better shooting, and and we're still not done. So I think we've pivoted as well as we could have. Yeah, and we'll get into more of the specifics of the new guys that the Lakers signed. But, Alan, I want to talk about narratives again. Tommy was getting to it with the Anthony Davis thing. Whether or not we had gotten Kawhi Leonard, I find it so funny that in, in both scenarios, it just feels like we got Anthony Davis and all of a sudden he was just the flavor of the week sort of dude. And then we just swept Everyone him under the rug. Everyone forgot about it because yeah, it happened like it. three weeks ago. It's like yeah. so, so crazy true. and so nuts. The fact that we accomplished the hardest part in getting a superstar who can bridge the gap for us these next five, eight years. That's the hardest part. Do they? Do the Lakers have a lot of work ahead of them? Does Rob Palenka have a lot of work ahead of him? Yes, he does because they still have to repair their image. It's very clear that Kawhi Leonard was also enticed by the Clippers' stability up top, right? I think that's a reasonable argument. And the Lakers have to work to repair their image in that respect. But given how where we were at just two months ago, three months ago, with Magic Johnson stepping down ridiculously in the ridiculous way that he did, with the coaching search debacle being fumbled a little bit with Ty Lue, with all the ESPN you know slander pieces coming out with regards to what's going on in the front office, regardless of whether or not it was hyperbolized, I mean, the fact that we came out of that with Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma and we were and, and Danny Green, I think it's still amazing. And I think Lakers fans, I mean, we're, we're super greedy, obviously. The fact that we even had a chance at getting Kawhi Leonard, and I don't know what you believe or not, but I, I, I personally think that Kawhi Leonard, there was a 25% chance that Kawhi Leonard was going to come to the Lakers. We were clearly his backup plan. You can say yeah. he was using us as leverage for to, to make sure that the Clippers tried to get a deal done. But if the Clippers weren't able to facilitate that trade, Kawhi would have come to the Lakers, yep. you know? He just yeah. wasn't, yeah, he just wasn't enticed by the idea, the idea of, like, a big three. And Tommy's mentioned this before in our message thread, but I don't think last year when he wanted to become a Laker that that was false either. Because if you remember last year, it was just LeBron James on the Lakers. Anthony Davis hadn't come in yet. I think the added dynamic of all of a sudden the Lakers have Anthony Davis and LeBron James probably was not as attractive to Kawhi Leonard. No, I think that's definitely part of it. And I'm not saying like because we got AD, we did not get Kawhi. Like, I think if it was still just LeBron, we still wouldn't have gotten Kawhi. I, I, I think he wanted to be on the Lakers... He, he demanded a trade before we signed LeBron. We signed LeBron. I don't know how much they spoke or like what they talked about, you know, how, how they could work together. But clearly if we had like a Golden State Warriors, Bob Myers type of situation going on here, I don't think he would have hesitated so much to join. I think it's a combination of factors, but you know, if it's, it's funny how things like kind of like we always say in hindsight, everything just ends up the way it was like, Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant were linked to the, the Nets like half of the season, and they end up just going there. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was apparently like half of the season telling like, you know, he doesn't talk much and doesn't like, you know, tell a lot of people things, I guess. But apparently he other players in the league were hearing that he was going to go to the Clippers. So at some point he made his, up his mind. And, and clearly I think that had to do with things other than basketball. That being said, I don't think he would have gone there by himself. I think he just like thought that, it, you know, that could work and maybe he'll get somebody to help him. So, you know, the KD rumor apparently was true. He called him and tried to get him to come help, but KD was committed to the Nets. He tried to get Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler wanted to go to Miami, which, again, Jimmy Butler, when he demanded a trade originally from, um, I'm like losing track of which team he was even on before all these trades, the Bulls, or what team was he on? The Sixers. The Sixers. <laughs> no, 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 I Marquette. mean before that. <laughs> Oh, the the Timberwolves. Before that, T Wolves for like the a bull, week. The Bulls. The Bulls. When he was like yeah. demand originally <laughs> demanded to trade from the Bulls, he was like talking about going to Miami. So, like you know, guys mm. just like end up where they want to end up for whatever reason. Kawhi decided he wanted to end up here. You get a little bit annoyed that maybe the Lakers front office should have been a little more aware or alert of what was going on, so they could react more quickly. But at the same time, it's Kawhi Leonard. So if he says you have a chance. You got to stay in it. 
if the Clippers weren't able to pull off this Hail Mary trade for Paul George, you know, we would have had Kawhi Leonard. That, I, I, I feel very confident about that. I think he was their last their last chance to get Kawhi, and that's why they had to go all in for it. Um, but I don't know. You know, yeah, he, he, OKC yeah. could have easily not agreed, right? Like, oh, we're going to make things work with Paul George and Russ going forward and all that. So um, if OKC didn't help facilitate things, we could be having a completely different conversation. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the – or Paul George got the impetus to actually request for a trade – because Kawhi Leonard was in direct contact with him. And it's crazy that Kawhi Leonard has almost become this mysterious, silent, the Night King, you know, mastermind who's puppeteering all these moves behind the scenes. Maybe he is just a savant with Asperger's. He should be a GM someday. <laughs> he, should be a, he should be a GM. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know if Paul George, and this is neither here nor there, I don't know if Paul George really has beef with Russell Westbrook. I think the trade request literally came from the fact that Kawhi Leonard told him, hey, I'm trying to go to the Clippers. If you can help me out and request a trade, then maybe we can facilitate this thing. So maybe partially internally he has some beef with Russell Westbrook, but I think more of the impetus came from the fact that Kawhi Leonard said, let's do this. Yeah, and it's going back home. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing, too. He knows he made a mistake, and he's like, okay, well, this is my chance out. Um, With that said, Alan, what are your thoughts again of and this, you know, this goes back to the narratives thing of the Lakers somehow being underrated, being the underdog again. It, it's funny that these last two summers, it, it just doesn't seem like the Lakers can get two things to align, two big things to align at once, right? Last year, we thought it was going to be LeBron James and Paul George, but it was just LeBron James. So we had to mishmash, mishmash patch together a team. Uh, this year, okay, we finally got the Anthony Davis thing, but... We were trying to go for the jugular and get Kawhi Leonard too, but we couldn't get those two things to align. So it's just LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then we got a patchwork quilt the rest of the roster. So it's kind of sad. And I mean, it still works out in our favor, but it, we, we come up just short, unfortunately, of getting two monumental things to line up all at once. Um, but having said that, it quickly shifted from when people were scared that Kawhi Leonard was coming to the Lakers. People were saying, oh, let's just cancel next season. This is like the Golden State Warriors all over again. Uh, it's not even fair. And then once Kawhi Leonard spurns the Lakers, and obviously there's a big difference now because he's not going to the Clippers by himself. He has Paul George. But all of a sudden, just because of that, people are saying, oh, man, the Lakers better watch out. They have a tight window of contention now because the Clippers just got that much better and they better hope that LeBron James and Anthony Davis hold up. And I'm like, dude, Anthony Davis and LeBron James have been healthier than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard the last three years. Then that's an objective fact. Kawhi Leonard missed an entire season, okay? Um, So what do you think about that dynamic? And all of a sudden, here we are again, a familiar place where... We got Anthony Davis, but somehow we're the underdogs. And does that excite you in a way? It does. Um, If this happened to, you know, two other teams, like say this happened with the Knicks and the Nets, I think as NBA fans, we'd be very excited to have that crosstown, you know, rivalry type thing. So as far as us playing the Clippers four times in the same building this next year, that's going to be extremely exciting. And, um... I think if we want to look at it in a positive way, just having like that kind of fight, you know, um, permeating like the entire city is going to be really, really great. So obviously it would have been nice to have had everybody, but um, we're still in a pretty damn good position. And again, it goes back to, like you said, this whole narrative of, oh, wow, the Lakers really struck out here. Uh, again, if we had acquired Anthony Davis last week <laughs> or just within the last few days, that would be all the hype. But because it happened right. three, 21 days ago or whatever, um, I mean, at that point, it feels like it's been three months since we've gotten Anthony Davis. Um, it just completely changes everything just as far as people's perceptions go. So, I mean, at this point, what can we do? Right. But like ultimately be at peace with where we're at and, um, I don't know. It's we we could be in a lot worse of a position. Like we could have, like Tommy said, we could have run it back with the exact same team from last season. And there were even times where 
I think we were telling ourselves it wouldn't be ideal, but we'd be okay with that because of our attachment to the young guys and the potential. Um, that would have been like one of the worst case scenarios for sure. So we're still, uh, we're still doing better than that without a doubt. Yeah, and obviously we could be in a worse place is not the most triumphant position or phrase <laughs> to be starting anything off with. But look, we have Anthony Davis. He is our cornerstone. LeBron James is going to help usher him into the next generation. The reason why the Kobe and Shaq era worked and the reason why Kobe was able to span two different generations of contending Lakers teams is because he had Shaq to help him out first and Kobe was just a once-in-a-generation type talent, which I think Anthony Davis is too. He just hasn't had his Tim Duncan or Shaq to help him out, and he does in LeBron James. And we can move forward as early as 2021 or as early as 2020 if we can find a trade partner to now fittingly surround Anthony Davis with the right pieces so that we can continue to move forward like with our, with our best foot forward. I keep saying forward because he's a power forward. Or is he a center? I don't know. Um, but, but Tommy, I guess what are your thoughts on all of a sudden, like the narrative shifting and we're getting the double standards? I know you rarely care about this kind of stuff, but I just find it so amusing how people can't be self-aware enough to, to see how silly some of the stuff they're putting out sounds where, you know, I see all of NBA Twitter all of a sudden saying, you know, I know Toronto, the Toronto Raptors uh, lost Kawhi, but I think they're still in a good place with Pascal Siakam. And I think they're going to be uh, Eastern Conference contenders next year. And then they go over to the Lakers and say, man, they lost Kawhi Leonard. They better watch out because if LeBron James goes down, Anthony Davis goes down, that they could be back in the lottery. He's like, well, no shit. <laughs> of course, if they get hurt. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's all just a little bit silly, I, I think, is where I come down with it. Like, it went from the narrative shifts so quickly, right, from, uh, oh, um, Lakers are going to form an unfair super team to Lakers are trash. Kawhi Leonard is very good, but him al- he alone does not make you a super team versus trash. We were already going to be really good with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, the guys that we're adding, like we've discussed, are very good. Um, there's a lot to be excited about, and I think the team is going to be just fine. Um, like you said, we... I have no idea. I mean, look, Paul George is a fine player. He has not made it out of the... He's not in the same stratosphere as, you know... I, although he's an all-star, he's not in the same universe as Kawhi, LeBron, and AD. Those guys stand separately, okay? Paul George has not made it out of the playoffs in the last two years... Out of the first round in the last two years on a team with um, Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams, you know, and all the depth that that team had. So... I'm not going to like immediately stand up and say, yeah, the Clippers are clearly going to win the championship now. It's like, you know, three weeks ago, the Lakers acquire two stars and everybody just kind of shrugs and goes, meh, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, or they overpaid, you know, and then it's like, uh, and then it's like, uh, the Clippers package. The Clippers, is, I'm, uh, you know, and then it's like the Clippers. I mean, look, make it was like it was for Kawhi Leonard. You and get both. Paul George, you get still. both. I'm not going to ignore that. It's a trade for both of those guys, but still, it, it's like they they put out an absurd amount of assets to get these two guys. They did ju- dump uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, Gallinari. Yeah, they don't need him. He's not like a world beater, but that was a big expiring, like valuable contract that could have been used in a trade. They have like no picks for the next six years or something. People kept trying to argue with me that like, or like not argue with me, but like against like had had these takes online that I was reading that were like, oh, the Lakers, it's just like, they better hope this LeBron AD thing works out because we don't even have any picks to look forward to. I'm like, we literally have our next two picks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we can't trade them because of the Stepien rule, but like we have our 2020 pick. We can't trade it until draft night of 2020. Our 2021 pick, nothing has changed. That's still probably not going to result in a swap. You know, like that is the pick swap year. So we'll probably keep, I mean, regard, we have a pick that year, regardless of what it is. So, you know, it's like we, we are not in a bad position at all. Um, the thing that concerns me most, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like over the top optimistic. We are just not, and I think this whole situation has kind of highlighted that to some extent. We're not as cohesive, stable, I don't know what the right word is, as some of these other teams. Like, 
I think our roster, objectively on paper, would wipe the floor with the Clippers, to be fully honest. In the seven-game series, wow. you give me the Clippers any day of the week against our team. Okay, we will. I, I think we'll completely destroy them inside. Their perimeter play is like, you know, we have LeBron and Danny Green to guard on the perimeter. We have Jared Dudley. We have guys who can rain threes. We're starting to put together good depth. Um, and, uh, and and I think we could take them any day of the week on paper. My problem is they're coached by Doc Rivers and we're coached by, like, yeah. Frank Vogel and, like, a ragtag group of, of former head coaches. And as far as I know, we haven't even filled out, like, the rest of our staff. So, mm-hmm. like, we need to make significant improvements in, like, all of these non-basketball player-related you know, areas, whether it's medical, whether it's scouting, whether it's analytics, what, you know, all of these areas, we need to take big steps. And, and for now, that's the one concern I have. Um, and how do yeah. you like expedite growing that stability? Yeah, you know? it's you hard. You can't just like put it in a microwave. <laughs> Again, by like... It takes time. You know, they, they made the Judy Cito hire, which I think was big. By all accounts, they were making a big push to try to um, hire that guy from the Suns uh, who left and ended up going, the head athletic trainer from the Suns who went ended up going to the Pelicans. Um, they have, you know, they're, they're at least showing some awareness now. I wish they showed this awareness like two, three years ago. Um, but it, it's getting there now, and, and you just have to see how it all comes together. I mean, really a lot. Somebody posted this earlier and I just laughed my ass off, but it was like, somebody was like, I hope, I hope Vogel's renting because it's so true, dude. Like this guy, 10 games into the season could get fired if things don't go well. Um, he, he has to be up for the challenge. I'm not sure if he is the last time he was a successful, relevant NBA coach. It was a completely different NBA um, you know, I'm not going to criticize him too much for the Orlando stint because I was a rebuild, but he has to show something like very soon. Like we have to have a very cohesive plan because we're kind of a weird team already. Um, yeah. In terms well, of how we're you know, Ron Adams, Ron Adams, come on down, right? Because there have been rumors that we're trying to poach him away from the Golden State Warriors and he would be a great addition to this team. And we're going to take it to break really quick, but I... I want to push back a little on the notion. Well, actually, no, I agree with you with regards to the fact that this coaching staff are just all kind of being put together like an arranged marriage. So there are probably going to be some chemistry issues and things to work out. But at the same time, looking at the team we assembled now, I'm like, oh, it's actually a good thing in retrospect that we have all of these veteran type coaches who have dealt with a number of different personalities. We've got Frank Vogel, Lionel Hollins, Jason Kidd, presumably Ron Adams. If he comes, that's a huge boost for us. But these are all also defensive-minded coaches, right? So the fact that we don't have a defensive optimal lineup right now, maybe that's mitigated by the fact that all of our head, all of our coaches right now, they've been known, their calling card has been defense in the past, you know? Right. So maybe they know how to facilitate those types of players, even if we don't have the best of the best. So, Alan, just your quick thoughts on that, and then we'll pitch it to our sponsors. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at, like, Lionel Hollins when he was in Memphis, that was a you know, pretty stable organization, right? Like grit and grind, whatever. You knew exactly what the culture was over there. Um, Jason Kidd, we don't need to talk about. But then, yeah, if we were to get Ron Adams, he's coming from a place that has a very strong culture as well. So if there's anything that um, seems to be like unstable or there's a lack of transparency all around, at least they come from backgrounds where they can um, like carry on their experiences to us and then help establish something that uh, resembles like just being in sync with each other. Yep, and they're dealing with a vet- a very veteran group of uh, players, almost geriatric. Well, not and we're not geriatric. We're like early thirties at this point. So it's that, just a that bunch of fun guys. <laughs> fun guys. Aha. Uh-huh. Ha. Huh. Ha. Huh. Uh, it's not so funny anymore. Yeah. Uh, with that said, we'll pitch it to our sponsors, and then we'll catch you guys after the break. All right, so we're back. To close this show, let's just talk about the the roster that the Lakers have assembled here thus far. you got to time mark everything at this point, at this stage. Uh, it's 1.34 p.m. Saturday, July 6th. The Lakers currently have Quinn Cook, Rajon Rondo. Quinn Cook signed for, I think, a $3 million deal. Rajon Rondo signed for the vet minimum. we got Danny Green at $15 million for two years. KCP, you know he, for for two more years, $8 million. 
We got Troy Daniels on a minimum deal, um, Taylor Horton Tucker on the rookie deal, Kyle Kuzma, Jared Dudley on the on a minimum deal, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee returns on a four million dollar two year deal, and Demarcus Cousins on a one year three point five million dollar deal. So in total, if we're adding Caruso to that. He's a restricted free agent, so I don't think other teams will randomly bid for him. So I think the Lakers will be able to negotiate a deal with him once they fully fill out their roster. So I'm not too worried about that. If you add Caruso, that's 13 players on our roster right now. The Lakers typically like to carry 14 players plus their two-way players um, going into preseason. But this year, they may just fully fill out the roster and get to that full 15-man team. Uh, so if they are going in with 15 guys entering preseason next year, uh, they have two spots left. Um, before we get to the who we want for those two spots, Tommy, what are your thoughts on the ragtag group we've all of a sudden assembled? I like Alan's point earlier when he said, you know, the, the timing of things tends to warp our perception of whether the front office is doing a good job rebounding or whether they're, they've just totally lost their shit again. Um, and I, I have to admit, once I saw that KCP deal, I almost uh, ended it right there. <laughs> but seeing... Ended seeing what the, exactly? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but, but seeing the totality of the deals come into place and understanding that I feared coming into this that if we struck out on Kawhi, that... Danny Green was going to get a big payday. I wasn't so much worried about the payday Danny Green was going to get, but the years we were going to give him. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no, $16 million for four years. Luo <laughs> Dang, here we go again. Obviously, the caliber of player Danny Green is better than Dang and Mozgov at that time, but you can see that depreciating in value fairly quickly, right? So the fact that we got him for two years, I was like, okay, once I took a step back, okay, only two years. The KCP thing, $8 million, he should have paid it back to us. But given the Freaking fact asshole. that, but the fact that Anthony Davis waived his trade kicker, I'm sure Clutch wanted to keep the money in the family, and they'll pay it back to Anthony Davis somehow. But Clutch Tax Part Three, I can deal with it because it is a two-year deal as well. It's yeah. clear that they're lining things up for 2021. Right. Troy Daniels, Jared Dudley, we already praised those deals because they're at the veteran minimum. Veteran minimum, um, and then shortly after that, Javale McGee at four million dollars. Look, Javale McGee, he had suitors. We had competition for him, whether you believe that or not. Houston, the Houston Rockets wanted him. At this point, Nerlens Noel, Willie Cauley-Stein are off the board, and they're just as silly and wonky as JaVale McGee, and at least JaVale McGee has continuity with us. So even I was able to get behind that. And then DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo followed suit shortly after that. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins is not taking the minimum deal, but he is on for just $3.5 million. Um, for, you guys know for me, I like I love DeMarcus Cousins. I've envisioned him in a Lakers jersey for like the last five years. A lot of things have changed. He's been injured, banged up. Um, but he at least has continuity with Anthony Davis. So does Rajon Rondo. Those three, if, if we're talking about a team that lacks continuity, well, at least we're, we're kind of piecing together a team that has pods of continuity together, right? Where it's like, all right, well, Anthony Davis, uh, Rajon Rondo, and uh, DeMarcus Cousins know how to play with each other. Right. Um, LeBron James, JaVale McKee, KCP know how to play with each other. So, I mean, I know that's like maybe a stretch for some, but it is the pods of continuity that you hope can sort of coalesce together. But yeah, what are your thoughts on how the Lakers have rebounded? Of course, we love for them to have lined up the Marcus Morris deal as well. It doesn't look like right now he's going to join us. We have about six to eight million dollars left based off of how we structured these contracts. But in totality, maybe you're not jumping up you know, up and down with joy over these signings, but do you think that they've done a fine job rebounding from the Kawhi thing? I I would argue they've done a better than fine job, to be honest. I mean, again, it's so much of it is just gut reaction after, and, and, and it's easy to give a bad reaction after you've been punched in the gut by the Kawhi decision, right? So what guys objectively did we really, really miss out on by waiting for Kawhi? When you start looking at the other Max guys, like Katie and Kyrie, like we we discussed, they'd already made up their minds about what they were going to do. Jimmy Butler, maybe we could have pursued him a little more aggressively, but it kind of sounds like he had made up his mind about what he wanted to do. I mean, he had a chance to go to the Rockets and team up with Chris Paul and James Harden. They would have made that work, and he still chose Miami. So 
a lot of D'Angelo. these guys, you know, D'Angelo ended up getting the max. Max, you he know, going to take that anyway. You know, so it's like a lot of these guys that we missed out on got overpaid. What we ended up getting is a bunch of guys who, yeah, again, they're not world beaters, but we got solid NBA depth and we got them all for reasonable prices. And a lot of them are on two-year deals, which, yeah, the 2021 plan, which is great, but also it's just nice to get guys with some degree of length on their contracts now. Um, yeah, not a bunch of one years. So that we can actually trade guys. You know, like, let's see how this year goes. It, we will be very competitive. I'm not saying we're by no means the favorite even probably to win the championship, but we're clearly, in my opinion, a competitor to be a top four seed in the West. It's like us, Golden or sorry, us, Houston, the Clippers, and then, you know, I'm sure Utah or Golden State, like somebody else will emerge as like a top four team. The Rockets are in shambles. So I don't even and know. They, yeah, you even they're in shambles. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. so it's like, like Portland, I guess. Yeah, and, and you look, even some of the signings that I was kind of annoyed by, like, okay, I would have taken JaVale at the minimum. But for $4 million, if he's your backup center, we have Ed Davis out here getting paid $10 million a year. And JaVale <laughs> is like not that bad. You know, like he was on our team last year. He knows LeBron. Um, he can catch lobs. He's not a bad shot blocker. Like, you could do a lot worse. Um, we felt really good about him until he got pneumonia. Yeah, exactly. Can't that. <laughs> exactly. You know, like KCP, I friggin' cannot stand this guy. Okay, but look. He better move in with lethal shooters, I swear. Yeah, I mean, but, His- but still, but still, as much as I dislike him, we paid under market for a backup shooting guard. I mean, you look at like Wayne Ellington got almost $10 million. Um uh, Reggie Bullock got almost 10 million. Yeah. Okay. You could say Seth Curry got eight, but I would argue that KCP for what he brings, like, yeah, he's not an amazing shooter. Hopefully lethal shooter helps him out with that. Um, makes him a little more refined there, but he gets after it defensively and you need some of those guys on the team for a backup center and a backup shooting guard. We played, we paid below market for those guys. Going to the next tier of guys like Danny Green, 15 million, like you said, two year deal. If you want to play the age game, he turned 32 like two weeks ago. So he will be 33 when his contract expires. That's the oldest he will be in the Lakers uniform. Much, much better outcome than, like you said, I was, I was pretty concerned we were going to go with a four year deal for him. Um, mm-hmm. I'd rather pay him the 15 over two years than pay him like, you know, four years, 40 or, you know, something like that. So we got, I think, a very solid signing in Danny Green. He is a starting caliber player on a championship level team as he just was. He plays defense. He shoots the three. He hit 45% from three last year, which is absurd. He hit 51% on open threes last year, which is absurd. He's like, you know, by most advanced metrics, the 99th percentile in all shooting perimeter shooting categories. So he's a very solid ad. Um, and then the other role player, you know, role players like Troy Daniels, Jared Dudley, great ads for what they do. DeMarcus Cousins, I, I put him and Rondo in the same category as like guys I would hope to never see in a Lakers uniform. Um, I'm just personally not a fan of theirs, but we got Rondo for the minimum. When you look at like the other guys who were floating around out there, the fact that Rondo was willing to come for the minimum, again, it's like, it's just so low risk. If he starts to get snippy or something, you cut him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, you could trade <laughs> him out. Like, he's a decent value at the minimum. Like, teams are frequently looking for veteran point guard depth. It's a decent value. Um, we don't know if his second year is guaranteed or an option or what it is, but, um, it's it's not bad depth given the option. Quinn Cook can light it up from three, like we said. And then if we add Caruso to that point guard mix, it's like you kind of have one guy who does everything. Like Caruso defends, Quinn Cook, yeah. Quinn Cook shoots, and Rondo can like play make a little bit. And is wait, like, can I? Yeah, sorry, can I just jump in on the Rondo thing? Uh, I know a lot of. I mean, you you hate Rondo. I hate Rondo. Alan hates Rondo. But there's a part of me too that just understands the politics of the game and the fact that look. Our front office is not that strong right now. And if they have to kind of bow down or kowtow to uh, the the whims and, or, and desires of Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Clutch, DeMarcus Cousins, then they just have to do that. Because I think Rajon Rondo, in the right context, even if he, the best version of him is still not good analytically or whatever, sometimes guys like DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis just play better because they like Rajon Rondo or they're yeah, playing with a yeah, buddy yeah, of theirs. Yeah, you're right. 
at least players really like the guy, and they always say, oh, he's one of the best teammates I've ever had, so... And look, like, ultimately, we're trying to be a finals contending team. Again, I don't know if we'll get there, but we will hopefully, barring injury, catastrophic injury, make the playoffs this year. And the goal will be to make a deep run. At some level, I'm not, I'm not, this is going to be misquoted, I'm sure, at some point. We're not famous enough, I guess, for that. But, but it's, (laughs) but, uh, you know, at some level, it's like, it's not to say the analytics don't matter, but, you can't hold Trey Burke's, for example, analytics against Rajon Rondo and just use that as like the determining factor without looking at anything else to sign a guy. Like, would you rather have in game seven of the Western Conference Finals the ball in Rondo's hands or Trey Burke's hands? You know, like, so there are yeah. those types of considerations too. If you're getting Rondo for a minimum, not a big deal. I put DeMarcus in a similar category. Although I never wanted DeMarcus on the Lakers, and I'm really glad that Jim Boss got fired before he could he could trade Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle and like other ass other draft picks to get him at that time. Um if you're getting him for one year 3.5 million on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, especially on a team with LeBron James, like good luck acting up. Okay, you're on a one year deal, you're gonna get cut or shipped out. You know, if you if you if he's playing like well at all, he'll probably get shipped out. If, well if and he, Rondo knows how to pacify him. Yeah, exactly. So so and and the continuity thing it is what it is like we traded our entire team to get Anthony Davis so like we were going to bring together a new team anyway um and like you said it's these guys are not ju- it's not just like a ragtag group of rookies or like 23 year olds that we brought together like these guys are experienced NBA veterans almost everybody we signed has been on like you know three or multiple you know three plus teams at this point um so these are guys who know how to come into a new place. I mean, Danny Green literally just did this last year. He he was mm-hmm. on the Spurs his entire career, basically. He gets traded to the Raptors and comes in first year and has like a career season. So it, it's, it, I think it's going to work out for us in terms of continuity. And I'm just like, you know, I hope that we end up being more of a trade aggressor now that we actually do have some... I mean, we can't make a trade till December 15th, but now that we have some pieces, like in terms of reasonably priced mid-tier contracts, we still will have our picks as of draft night 2020 and 2021 that we could use for draft night trades. We still have Kuzma, who I hope we hold on to, but if the right move comes along, you know, who knows? Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think we're actually in a a pretty good place. Yeah, yeah. With regards to what we lined up here, the Lakers actually now have four 40% three-point shooters, believe it or not. Yeah, that's Troy insane. Daniels, Quinn Cook, Jared Dudley, and Danny Green. Danny Green shot like 45% from three last year, by the way. Yeah. So, I mean, we addressed our shooting needs. Obviously, defense is a little shaky. Quinn Cook is not a great defender, but can he be our Mario Chalmers? Yes, I think so. And just bringing Caruso back, I think that's essential and integral. But another year under his belt for Caruso, if he can show that what he displayed in the second half of the season is real, that would be a huge help for the Lakers. DeMarcus Cousins, believe it or not, I know when you watch him his on tape... His numbers are so surprising for yeah, his limited he's time, dude. slow and loafing, but 16 points, 8, eight rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.5 blocks on 48% shooting, 27% from three. That can, uh, that, sh- that can improve, hopefully, but o- in only 25 minutes. And I-, I think the biggest thing for me is he's still a big body, and regardless of whether or not he can actually run up and down the court or be mobile and agile... He's still a really good passer, and I think that vision is going to come into play and help us out with Anthony Davis. And just on a team that lacks playmakers right now, which is almost the complete opposite of what we did last year, um, I think DeMarcus Cousins, even if he's not dribbling the ball, even if he's not moving around the court, as a standstill passer, and you saw it in the playoffs with Golden State, his vision is still innate and insane. And if guys are doing what they're supposed to do, and hopefully we have an offensive system for this and cutting and stuff, DeMarcus Cousins will find you. And again, he knows how to play with Anthony Davis. He knows how to play with Rajon Rondo. So that that part of everything entices me. And just having a, a veteran leader like Jared Dudley, who he's also a good defender, by the way. He's probably like a really poor man's version of Danny Green, but just a culture builder like him. And if anybody hasn't listened to his podcast with Wojnarowski, I would highly recommend doing so because, man, Jared Dudley is... 
helping the Lakers' perception issues with every glowing word he says. And we got to cling on to stuff like that at this point because he wanted to come here. It was his dream to make history with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, whether or not that included um, Kawhi Leonard. So clearly that still has weight, that still has clout. And so, I don't know, I'm, I'm... I still find this rebound plan very promising on the backs of Danny Green, um, Jared Dudley, Troy Daniels. Those are smart analytics types moves. And the fact that we've got a wild card in DeMarcus Cousins, who, with regards to his off-court demeanor and everything like that, from everything I've heard from the Golden State Warriors and their beat writers and everything, he hasn't made a peep this last offseason. And whether or not you think that he, he was being self-serving when he came back to the finals to play just so he, that he could maybe make some money this free agency and show people that he can still go, um, he didn't have to do that. You know, he, he was already banged up and injured and he still played his ass off for his team, even though he had stretches where he was pretty much unplayable. But you got to give him some dap for that. And I don't know if he could he could work out just like he did in stretches for the Golden State Warriors. Um, so, Alan, just what are your thoughts on the team we've assembled thus far? Yeah, I mean, I like everything you said, you know, about culture builders, um, as far as Danny Green, as far as Jared Dudley goes. Um, Quinn, Quick, Quinn Cook is a champion now. Um, Rondo, again, like Josh Hart just tweeted within like the last hour or so he's one of the best teammates he's ever had now Josh Hart's only been in the league for so long but um I think that sort of stuff just kind of speaks for itself and like Tommy was saying at at times maybe we can um look at some of those intangibles instead of weighing the analytics so heavily now you know we'll see what we're saying when it's december january february when he's literally playing zero defense whatsoever and then quinn cook is out there too doing the exact same thing but um for his reputation of being a head case and stuff like that i mean you you could tell in all of rondo's offseason interviews when people are trying to bait him into saying really bad things about the lakers he's kept his lips completely sealed probably because he knew all along that he would probably be back here so I mean, he's like been on good behavior, you could say. And um, I mean, we can't forget even like last season, there was the moment where he got the whole team together, right? I think it was after the Indiana blowout. And um, Mm -hmm. it was when he hit the game winner against Boston. So for the culture, like there are definitely some some pluses there. And um, yeah, if we're looking at things off paper, some intangibles, I mean, last year we had the meme team and you know they're all the jokes about that and we were saying just watch now we're going to get Michael Beasley and then that, snap your fingers <laughs> it actually happened i mean this this squad's personality is quite different from that and it's just funny though cuz i have seen some people tweet like this is meme team 2.0 and then like they have Danny Green's name listed and Anthony Davis's name i'm like what is memeable about them exactly like those are extremely solid people and then same thing with yeah all these other vets that we picked up so um yeah as far as like the off-court type things I I think that uh they should mesh together pretty well yeah and we'll just have to see now to close our show Tommy what what do you think about how the Lakers round out the rest of this roster a part of me thinks that and again the Lakers have 13 guys currently slotted that's including Caruso and that also includes their two two-way players in Jonathan Williams and Zach Norvell, who's tearing it up in Summer League. Unfortunately, it's Taylor Horton Tucker can't join the fray there. But um, with 13 slots filled, they have two spots left to round out. Um, part of me, even though I want to fill those two slots up, part of me thinks they're going to keep one open just to see what happens with Andre Iguodala. Uh, and Kyle Korver, even though I think Kyle Korver is presumably going to get bought out by Phoenix. But... Yeah, I think one of those slots may be kept open at least for a little bit. But having said that, let's say the two slots are filled up. We've got guys like Avery Bradley left on the in the field. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, if you want some defense. Jamichael Green, formerly of the Clippers. Really, really solid, underrated big who can shoot 40% from three all of a sudden. Um, like I mentioned, Kyle Korver, Iguodala. You got some guys who are younger and maybe could give this team an infusion of energy, like Czech Diallo. Dragon Bender, 
I'm kind of scared about the Jabari Parker play. Hopefully we say no to that, but he's out there. And I know we've had this weird infatuation with Jabari Parker the last couple of years. Uh, but given we just got DeMarcus Cousins, maybe he's out of play. Um, and, you know, obviously I think Marcus Morris would be our number one get if he still w- wants to come for that six to $7 million range that we still have open. But yeah, for you, what are you looking at with regards to who the Lakers snag to quote unquote fully round out this roster? So it's hard to say a little bit because we don't know exactly how much money we have. I mean, if I've been following Pincus and he's like, we have anywhere between like eight and 12 million left, depending on how they structured like the contracts, depending on whether they did the unlikely bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's, it's hard to really know. Um, I have a feeling that based on the relative silence after the flurry of signings this morning and last night, um, it sort of seems like I, maybe one thing we are lacking on this team, although we added all this shooting and we even added some decent defense. I mean, at some positions we're weak defensively, but overall, I think we improved, um, I'm wondering if they are waiting to see if they can get um, uh, Iguodala to agree to a buyout at like a lower dollar amount, which Memphis might be more inclined to do rather than trade him away, and then just sign him to a bigger contract to make him whole. Like sign him to mm-hmm. a one year, you know, nine. So he's due 17 million this year, right? He can agree to, I mean, he can be bought out for 1 million if he wants by the Grizzlies. He can agree to any amount. So if we up the ante and say like, hey, we're not going to give you a minimum, actually, we, we can give you like 9 million for one year, then maybe he's more willing to facilitate a buyout with the Grizzlies and say, okay, you know what, just I'll buy, you can buy me out for 8 million. Um, that way he gets all his money and he gets to go where he wants to go. I kind of have, I feel like that's, that's a way we might go. If we don't go that way, I'd like to see us sign Caruso, which I know you've counted him already, but until it's done, given how everything has gone this year, I'm not going to count that. That's fair. Um, so I'd like to see us sign Caruso and I'd like to see us, uh, sign a guy like Jermichael Green to give us like another big man who can, um, who can spread the floor a little bit. Um, and, and then if we have one extra spot rather than keep it open for a waiver wire guy, because, as silly as it seems now, I'm just not even sure that we really need Kyle Korver on this team. Um, mm-hmm. I know he can play some wing, but like he's really a shooting guard, and we already have three shooting guards now. Um, and all three of our shooting guards are pretty much like I know they play KCP at the small forward sometimes, but like they're all real like traditional shooting guards in my opinion. Um, I would like to see us uh, maybe sign like an, one of these undrafted big men that we have on our summer league team to a non-guaranteed contract and hold on to that guy as like our 15th guy. And, you know, if we use him, we use him. If not, you know, when guys start to get waived around December, you know, early in the season, people's roles, veterans roles aren't what they thought they would be on like their newly, you know, put together teams and guys are going to start asking for waves and waivers and et cetera at that time. Um, I will, uh, I, I, I think it makes a lot more sense to go with that, get us some help now, youth and help now, and then like have the flexibility to wave that guy and pick up a waiver wire guy later. Like Tyson Chandler. Not him, but yeah, well, somebody la- like well, that. Well, not, not like, <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah. what we did last year. Exactly. Uh, but I think that guy could be kickoff. <laughs> um, he looks like Montrezl Harrow right now. I know you guys haven't been watching. I haven't either. But um, anyways, Alan, what about you? What do you think the Lakers should do with their last two remaining roster slots? Quickly for me, I, th- I actually wouldn't be opposed to them signing Rondé Hollis Jefferson just because we need to shore up our defense. And that's kind of his calling card. He still has tantalizing length. And maybe that can be honed. Um, and maybe we'll see some shimmies at the free throw line. Uh, nope. And, and, nope. <laughs> and like Tommy said, uh, Jamichael Green would be a great get as well. Wouldn't be a post Avery Bradley. We're hoping that if we do get Avery Bradley, he resembles more of his time with the Memphis Grizzlies where he averaged around 16 points and four assists and shot the lights out from three. But when he was playing with the Clippers, he really fell off a cliff. The other thing to note about Avery Bradley is he's somehow only 28 years old. So I guess I wouldn't be opposed huh. to that as well. But right now, I think I'd, I'd put my top two at Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Jamichael Green. But also understanding that maybe we just sign one additional guy and keep one roster slot open 
to wait for Andre Iguodala, and in the meantime, also maybe just like Tommy said, give Kaycock an unguaranteed deal. <laughs> Keep saying that word, Kaycock. Uh, but Alan, yeah, what are, what are your um, choices for the last two roster spots, one or two? Yeah, I think being a little bit more prudent going forward um, is something that could realistically happen. I do like the idea of keeping a roster spot open. Um, yeah, I didn't realize Avery Bradley was only 28 years old. I would have guessed like 30, I guess, mm-hmm. but um, I'd be down for that. I mean, I think, yeah, the glaring issue right now is backcourt defense. So anyone who can really bolster that uh, would be a good fit. Kyle Korver seemed really enticing when we were trying to build the uh, – you know, craziest super team of all time. But like Tommy said, at this point, uh, maybe that is a little bit redundant. Um, so yeah, I, I think defense is, has to be the priority in the backcourt because um, if you're fun, if everything is basically just going to be in the paint, um, when you have Boogie down there, you know, we don't know what his defense is really going to look like. And then LeBron likes to take, you know, some plays off defensively as well. Uh, we can't just be relying on Anthony Davis the entire time and then JaVale for about 20 minutes a game. So, yeah, that's what I would like to see happen. Yep, cool. All right, with that said, we'll cut it here. There's obviously a ton of stuff to still talk about, tons of narratives, what the media is saying, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot more in-depth analysis on this roster to come with who we fill this roster out with. At this point, I think we'd all agree, no J.R. Smith, right? Hell no. <laughs> Too many crazy cooks in the kitchen, and at that point, it might really be meme team part two if that happens. Um, but yeah, so far, you know, we recovered from the gut punch. No Carmelo rebounded. Anthony. We can throw that out there, too. Oh, thank you. No Carmelo Anthony, no Dwight Howard, no J.R. Smith. DeMarcus Cousins kind of pre- prevented those two things from happening, so in that sense, a win as well. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. Also, if you want to donate financially to us any, in any small fashion, a dollar, two dollars, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. This episode is brought to you by lineups.com. Check them out. Uh, with that said, we'll end it right there. And everybody, keep yourself strapped as usual. And hope everyone had a great 4th of July. The red, kawaii, and blue. You like that? Um, <laughs> all right it's tommy i'll catch you sadly later. yes i like that later alan bye-bye peace Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.